Santiago, thank you so much for joining me all the way from New Zealand. No problem, Marianne. The pleasure to be here. Um, could you start by just talking a little bit about what you do at Virtus Energy? Yes, for sure. Um, we are a climate tech company. We develop technology to make renewable energy production more efficient. It, that is a super nutshell. Um, we are four funders. Benjamin is here with us as our COO. I'm taking care of the commercial side of the company and uh, commercial officer of the company. And we have other two funders, uh, Danilo and Freddie, and they take care of the technology side of the company. And essentially what we are trying to do, we develop a biological platform to make renewable gas uh, more affordable and achievable in, in this uh, energy transition era. Uh, that biological platform allows us to make anaerobic digestion and all the fer fermenting processes uh, yeah. more efficient and faster and delivering a better quality uh, energy source at the end. Uh, we started last year we, we get all together last year. It, it's funny because we, we have a wide range of technical and cultural backgrounds. Uh, I'm from Uruguay. Mm -hmm. uh, Danilo and Freddie, I'm from Chile. Uh, Benjamin is from the UK. And we all converge here in New Zealand as a four migrants trying to make some good for the world. And uh, we, yeah, we got along pretty well with the, our idea and our mindset that we, we have to do something. It's, it's not an option not to do something about the current situation that we are living in. Yeah. And Danilo invented this idea and this technology uh, five years ago after uh, several years of uh, research. Oh. Uh, and he met Freddie, who is a mechanical engineer, and he helped him to give shape mm. to the technology. Yeah. And then prototypes and, and trials, etc. They they got to a, a, a point that they needed to move forward into a commercial company. Mm -hmm. And that's when I met Danilo in a Latin American community networking event. And we, we got along pretty well and we he, he sent me this idea of how to tackle waste minimization, how to help waste minimization to be a thing in New Zealand uh, and in Latin America and our countries. And uh, I, I just thought that was amazing and, and it was a really big potential. So we started working, but essentially at the beginning, we were focused in households and how to help individual peoples and individual families to get into this idea of waste minimization, but uh, thanks Benjamin and his vision and his uh, greater ideas, we realized that um, we can do a bigger impact. We can have a bigger impact if we tackle bigger industries and, and help the energy and the gas industry to be more sustainable. So that's how we, we started Virtus. Mm. Thank you. And um, Benjamin, I'm curious to hear your story. How did you, how did you get started with Virtus Energy? Uh, 
Santiago's kind of covered that off um, on on the kind of front from versus NG and how they how that how it's grown. But myself, my involvement, I was I was working over the road from Santiago. We both had offices kind of facing each other, um, and we just got chatting around sustainability, renewable systems, and energies and things like that. And, and I did a fair bit of work at university, and I come from a large commercial construction background. Um, and they were looking for somebody that could start to implement this technology into into the field, essentially. So that's where I came came on board. And I was initially looking to bring the technology back to the UK and, and try and roll it out here in the UK, uh, or there in the UK, sorry. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> um, and then, but we saw some synergies and some really good connections and, and how we were working together for, to see how we could try and develop it here in New Zealand and then target the the bigger markets um, and the bigger anaerobic digesters and therefore the industry as a whole, rather than individual applications. Yeah. Can you explain to me a little bit about this anaerobic digestion, like what your product actually is and how does it work? And just, just for the average person, obviously, who may not fully understand. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so anaerobic digestion is a is a naturally occurring process um, that happens without oxygen. Essentially, that's the anaerobic part. But anaerobic digestion technology has been developed over the last 60 years where as humans, we put that organic waste, any organic waste. So that could be manures, it could be food scraps, anything that will break down essentially can go into these big tanks you reduce the oxygen and it naturally breaks that process down and creates a really powerful gas and a high quality biofertilizer how we have transformed that industry or how we're looking to transform that industry is we've managed to speed the process up and also increase the quality of that gas that comes off the other end mm -hmm. so how we try to look at it is as a company we want to operate over natural processes we we believe that the world should be operating in a natural way as humans and as humanity we have the ability to really add another complementary technological process that can either speed that process up create higher value products and that's how we that's why we've targeted the anaerobic digestion industry to begin with mm -hmm. um, even though we believe this technology that we have allows us to control multiple types of bacteria. But anaerobic digestion we see as having a huge impact on the energy transition and climate change. Uh, and what, what can that gas be used for? Um, so it can be used as a, in a multitude of um, ways. So the first one is you can use it and put it through a generator and generate electricity, yep. um, or you can use it to create heat. Um, the common format in the uk for example has been to put that through a generator and put the electricity back into the grid so then that therefore that electricity can be distributed around the new way um or a new pivot that the industry is making in the uk for example is they are transitioning to upgrade that to biomethane now biomethane is a direct replacement to fossil gas wow so, and it comes from a renewable source and depending on the waste that has gone in it could potentially be a carbon negative fuel source as well 
So um, biomethane, is that something you are producing? Or you, you said something about the UK industry. So. so the UK, so anaerobic digestion produces yeah. biogas, which, yeah. is the, which is the fuel. Yeah. But that biogas can be upgraded to biomethane. The only difference it comes is biogas has a mixture of methane and CO2. Mm -hmm. And then the biomethane part is the, you remove the CO2, so you just have the methane, which is a direct chemical replacement of um, fossil gas. And it can then move into uh, for transport fuels. It can be turned into sustainable aviation fuel. It has a, a lot a lot of impact on a multiple different industries. So there's there's huge potential here. But um, what kind of challenges do you face along the way? I imagine I imagine just getting the I suppose it's food waste, right? You have, yep. to, you have to have some really good processes set up for, for getting that food waste. And in a lot of countries, I know, I don't know what the situation is in New Zealand. I know here in the UK, it's pretty shameful in, in, in some areas. In other areas, it's better. It tends to vary. Um, yep. So what challenges have you faced in setting up this uh, Virtus Energy? So that's that's the thing. So we, we faced those challenges when we first started and we looked to be that infrastructure company that would deliver the full plant, which mm -hmm. you've got your anaerobic digestion and then we would add our technology in. Yeah. And we decided to make a change and just focus on our technology and implement that technology into existing anaerobic digestion plants. That goes back to the potential impact that we can have, the faster impact. Um, and it also, in our early stages where we have um, limited funding and, and limited resources, it allows us to stick to what we're really good at. And that's understanding the bacteria and understanding the technology that, that we've developed. Mm -hmm. And it allows the industry to accelerate because we can implement it into existing, into existing infrastructure that's already there. And is that already uh, fairly well established in, in New Zealand, this, this sort of in infrastructure for, for organic food waste? No, not really. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, not really. Uh, New Zealand is quite behind in the anaerobic digestion uh, industry. Mm -hmm. We see ourselves as a Kiwi and New Zealand company, but looking to the world, we, we need to target Europe and North America first because those are the markets, the main markets, and probably India and China are as well uh, big markets uh, for us. I think to, to add to the previous question is one of the challenges that we have right now is develop a way to help other regions that they are not currently with a mature industry in the biogas mm -hmm. to help them to develop that industry and to push biogas industry forward. Mm. So who are your, your initial clients? That's, that is a really difficult question, and we still uh, are trying to figure it out. But essentially, the, uh, the biogas industry is quite fragmented. You have the anaerobic digestive builders and operators, that there are quite a lot, uh, but they don't own the plants and they don't own the gas. Then you have the gas off-takers, the, the, the energy companies, the gas distribution companies, uh, the uh, green fuel companies. Uh, but they, they see the end product. So we, we believe that the, the person and the companies that own the gas and own the plants, and, and they will see uh, the bigger impact in their process, mm -hmm. re reducing the cost or and allowing to process more waste and thus delivering more uh, gas at the end. 
The um, I'll just add one one extra bit yeah. in there as well is the 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 industry the anaerobic digestion industry has been around. I mean, anaerobic digestion technology has been around for four thousand years. Mm -hmm. um, it's been turned into a commercial application for the last 60 to 70. Mm -hmm. And the improvements have been incremental. So one or 2% efficiency increases. Our technology creates a complete step change um, and will revolutionize the industry in that aspect. So there's, there's kind of two things. Either existing plants can process more waste at higher quality, or it starts to bring the size of those anaerobic digestion plants down which really starts to feed into our vision and how we see and our purpose as a company and being able to decentralize the energy system and therefore provide um, energy solutions, the right energy solutions to people around the world. For example, um, in, in Africa, there is enough waste mm -hmm. in Africa to provide and put through anaerobic digestion and then produce enough renewable electricity for the 600 million people that live in sub-Saharan Africa for life. Wow. But we don't have the technology and the size of the technology, um, the scale of the technology right to be able to really implement that. And that's where we see our technology kind of coming in and being able to revolutionize it. So it's targeting an existing anaerobic digesters and an existing infrastructure, and then really also powering um, energy justice and, and energy distribution um, around the world. And, and just to add to, to your comment, Benjamin, we, we cannot do it uh, alone. We, we no. need to collaborate. Uh, we, we need. We always say that there is no silver bullet for the transition. So we need to collaborate and be able to bring on board in these projects of delivering energy in places like uh, Africa, other companies that are building anaerobic digesters and they have the technology, the right technology and the right recipe to build those tanks, but bring it down to the size that makes sense for these communities. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a, especially when you have a, an industry that's new and that's evolving, it's, it takes so many partners working together to bring the infrastructure, all the different pieces of the infrastructure together. Uh, it's uh, it's not like a, you know, a, some kind of tech company where someone does something and that's replicated it's all over the world when we're talking about industry and fuels and yeah, gas it's a it's a real yeah. challenge yeah. and it, it definitely it takes a keeping a strong vision i think to to create change and and i'm interested in what you said about um benjamin about uh the incremental change there was incremental change but no major revolution or or, or really big change happening in this um in this industry um, what kind of percentages can you, can you tell me a little bit more about the impact that your, your technology has, what kind of percentage, um, specifically, I guess, are, are do you, can, can you offer the industry in terms of efficiency? And I'm interested in, obviously the, the, the dynamics of the, the, the sales and the market, is it cheap yep. enough? Is it cheap enough to scale to really fit into the market? demand and be something very attractive yeah absolutely um so the to answer your first question there what our technology does is it unlocks an extra 60 percent energy from the same waste mm -hmm. and it does it three times faster than than the current processes in place yes um and that's the step change that creates it. so that's why we you can either 
increase your quality of biogas and therefore um, and reduce all of your ongoing costs and the whole value chain, or you can increase the amount of waste you're going to process um, and therefore get a lot more biogas at a higher quality. Mm -hmm. um, so on the so that's kind of what it can do for the industry, and that's why it's such. Um, it's going to have an effect on the whole value chain. So it goes yeah. right from waste processors and waste collectors right the way through to the gas um, users mm -hmm. and through to the likes of Shell or anybody potentially upgrading it into renewable fuels. It completely changes that whole value chain. Um, now, on the cost of things, we, we're still early stage. Uh, yes. So we're still defining what that cost looked like. And obviously, at scale, those costs start to come down dramatically. Um, our intent and in our business model is that we would um we would pay for the installation because we want to keep hold of the ownership of it um, and the data that comes from it um, yeah. and also having to service it and monitor it and things like that so we would as a company we would be the ones investing in that and putting it in and then um we would make different agreements in different regions with different customers essentially so that customer in 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 Africa, for example, or in Southeast Asia or something like that is going to be very different to a very well-established market in Europe, for example. I mean, there's 10,000 anaerobic digesters in Germany alone. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of potential there. And for them, the gas quality and the, and the slow, slow retention times, uh, slow processing times are really key for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how does this, when this gas is produced... Right. Um, I, I suppose in, in, a, in, your, in your sort of facility or your, your anaerobic digestion or food waste facility, yep. how does it feed into the rest of the infrastructure um, as far as producing electricity or, or producing gas? What, what, what are the, what's the process from there and can it work with existing infrastructure or do you need some, some kind of new infrastructure to be created for this gas to actually work? Because I could see that as obviously being a huge challenge anywhere where you have to create some kind of new infrastructure. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. It's a really uh, good cool. I'll let you go. Oh, sorry, sorry. Okay. Um, it's, an, it's an amazing question because uh, that was one of the main points that we uh, discussed a lot when we were studying this uh, company is that we need to use the resources that we have at hand and not bring... Uh, heavyweight to the industry and to the people to change things because there is a new innovation, there is a new thing in the market. We need to uh, be able to use everything. And that's why biogas and, and biomethane is, is an amazing part of the transition. We see it as an amazing part of the transition because it can utilize the uh, current infrastructure without need of energy because directly replace natural gas. So we don't need to do it. And everything is built around natural gas at the moment. So we don't need to build anything new to deliver bio-bethane. And, th and there's also a lot of infrastructure in there around for those fuel providers, the likes yeah. of Shell. They're already upgrading oil or gas or into those fuels. So as, as if it's a drop-in, then it's completely, it's the same and it's a, they follow those same processes. There might be a few tweaks but fundamentally the infrastructure already exists, which is why we believe it has the impact, probably the earliest biofuel that's available to have that impact because it can be distributed through a, through an established and well-connected network. 
All right, that's great. So, so essentially, you've got a product that can already be used um, within established networks for natural gas. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. All right. Yeah. And um, who would you like to collaborate with the most? Let's just say, if, if you had a wish list, and you could say <laughs> uh-huh. these, these, we... these companies, or yeah, we. Uh, um... I, I'm gonna start. So, sorry, Benjamin, I, I'm going to make a statement, uh, a first statement, so we can all understand where we're coming from. We want to be an energy innovation hub. Okay. We want to collaborate with everyone that wants to make this world a better place. And starting from the energy side, uh, that is our core uh, place. But from there, there is a wishing list that, Benjamin, you can start if you want. It's, it's quite long. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was going to, rather than go into the specifics, I was going to talk around the, um, essentially, there are multiple people around the world working towards what we're all working towards. Yeah. But within the industry, there's a very much, it's mine, so I'm going to keep it to myself, and there's not a lot of collaboration. Mm. So we see ourselves looking to change that. For instance, we're, we're talking to a number of universities in Canada Um, in India, in um, Australia. There's also industry partners in Europe that we're talking to. There's industry partners in the US, in Canada again. And they all have different skill sets and different knowledge that, first of all, we can use, but also that the industry can use. And therefore, if we can bring it into one central place or at least one central entity to deliver it, um, we believe it's going to have a a much more transformative approach um, and reaction on the industry, essentially. And, and uh, also really? bring, bring, sorry, and also bring aboard different technologies as well, carbon capture uh, uh, technologies, plus wind farms, plus um, solar panels, plus uh, hydrogen, plus biogas could make a huge difference. Yeah, for sure. And and we need some some solutions um, which are sort of alternatives to renewable energy as well, right? Because we know that I mean solar is a huge source of energy, so is wind, but it's not uh, re- totally reliable. It can Absolutely. vary from year to year, so there we definitely need to have some other solutions which can work together, um, yeah. right? Uh, w- w- with renewables, but where but something with, which we can count on, where you can say, okay, we know for sure if we process, <laughs> you know, this much, we're going to get that much gas. So. Yeah, I do see this as as being a, a an important uh, uh, an important alternative energy option, right? Which which can work together with other natural renewable energies to to help help the transition. Yeah, we have an example here in New Zealand that is uh, we we could produce enough solar power in summer to power the whole year of New Zealand, but there is no storage capacity. Uh, for that and gases gases like hydrogen and biogas could be the option to store that energy that is produced in summer to transform that into energy uh, in winter there's a there's a reason our energy matrix is so complicated and so intertwined you have some renewable energies you have some biofuels because they all have inherently their best application um, and their best delivery method. And as humanity, we love to try and latch onto one thing that's going to solve everything. Yes. And it was solar and wind, and now it seems to be hydrogen. Yes. But 
there's a blend of all of those together, exactly what you were saying. There needs yeah. to be that blend um, and there needs to be that crossover um, to achieve what we need to achieve in the time frame that we have available to us. Yeah. Which is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> not a lot at all. Not a dot. No, no. <laughs> I saw the news saying uh, five years. There's, there's a 48% chance of reaching 1.5 degrees. <laughs> wow. That, Within uh, the next wow. five years. That, yeah. It was a new article. It was trending for a while. And I think that links, I was, depending on the questions you're going to ask, I was going to put this in here, is the scientific data suggests that if we keep sticking to only carbon neutral technologies, mm -hmm. we only have a 50-50% chance of us averting climate disaster, essentially. So we have to, as humanities, we have to start focusing towards carbon negative fuels, which inherently is anaerobic digestion and where that waste comes from so it's food waste it's manures from cow farming and dairy farming and pig pig manure mm -hmm. they're already here we're already generating them as a waste so yeah. let's utilize it and turn it into a resource and a valuable fuel that stops carbon and stops emissions from reaching the atmosphere and we repurpose it elsewhere to deliver them um, to deliver the results back rather than hanging our hat on a, on a couple of technologies that, that have their purpose um, and absolutely have their purpose, but we have to start driving towards carbon negative fuels as well. Right. And, and this is something um, which I think not many people think about, but actually food waste when it decomposes naturally releases huge amounts of um, what is it? Not, not biomethane. Methane. It's methane. It's methane. Yeah. Methane. Yeah. It, yes. in, into the atmosphere. Yeah. So anything that we can do to control that and reuse it, it, it produces a double win, right? Absolutely. Um, which we which we don't get elsewhere. I mean, yeah, with, with other renewables. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when, when, Sorry. One Santiago. No go. Uh, uh, when we don't stop food waste for going to the landfill. In many landfills, they are doing really good procedures and they, they hold all the methane within the landfill and they utilize it to transform into electricity, but it's not 100% reliable. So you always have some methane uh, leaks. If you put that through an aerobic digester, you have a better chance to avoid those leaks and you still get the methane, the biomethane and the fertilizer at the end. So it's a win-win situation. Yeah, I, I know. I mean, at least where I live, and I live in one of these apartment blocks, and they don't have proper trash separation. Yeah, uh, they've got you know one thing for so-called recyclables, and one thing for your your compost, and it's that's it. So <laughs> everyone's throwing you know everything together into the recyclables. God knows what else goes into the compost, and to me, it's just shameful. And I've sort of got this in the back of my mind that one day I want to go. I want to start some sort of a campaign to change this because I, I just see the vast amounts of waste that are not being properly recycled. And I think there's a huge opportunity in food waste to, to, oh. to reuse it in so many ways and to make it more efficient. And it's almost shocking that society um, has, has had this throwaway culture for so long to me, right? Uh, yeah. So incredibly short-sighted. So I really hope that some of these... Um, yeah, that, that we accelerate these solutions and, and change our, our culture and our society um, as a whole as well. So um, I want to move on to 
talking about a little bit about what it's like to be someone working on these solutions. Um, what's the most frustrating part <laughs> of your, your work? <laughs> um, Do you want to start, Benjamin? Yes. I think it's the most frustrating for us um, is that silver bullet mentality. Um, if, we, if we're looking in the, in the broader spectrum of things, is, is that silver bullet of, okay, well, let's latch onto this and we will deliver this. Um, and we see it a lot in the, in the startup phase. We, we're inherently a deep tech company. Yeah. Um, there are some amazing venture capitals and we've been funded by them on the very early stage and idea stage. But then the next level is um, companies or venture capitals or investment that target companies who are ready to start sale selling. Yeah. There's a big gap there. And these ones that will produce powerful fuels that we will need, they have to go through that process. Um, and I think inherently it's been linked towards industry and forcing industry to make those changes and, and do that deliverable. But I think the 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 war and, and the situation that is happening over in Europe and stuff is going to change that dramatically because first of all, and COVID, companies are going to start tightening their belts because they fundamentally they need to carry on existing. So they need to carry on delivering profits and everything else back to shareholders and things, which is where governments and other entities really need to step into that for and fund that research and fund that development and get there. So that would be for me on the, on the trying to reach and get funding for the company and everything else is probably the thing I struggle with most is yeah. understanding that transition, getting that across um, and really articulating how, how vital this type of technology really is. I can add mm -hmm. that the most frustrating part for me is the slow peas that we have to uh, bear because we work with biological platforms and bacteria and microbes. They have their own timing. So we need to adapt ourselves to that. And sometimes we, we have a little bit of anxiety and climate anxiety and delivery anxiety that we want to showcase to the world what we are doing. Mm -hmm. But we have to be uh, mindful and, and be aware of, okay, we have to wait wait until it's 100% ready. Oh. Yeah, I guess it's it, working together with nature, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. Working at working at, at nature's pace, I, I, and, and yet you found a way to to actually massively speed up the process, right? Like make, make it three times faster. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can you describe a day in the life of working on Virtus Energy and what gets you up in the morning? I'll let you lead. Uh, okay. Uh, is, as a startup, I can say that is uh, it's an exciting time for us. And what... Uh, takes me out of bed every morning is that I'm sure that I'm going to get a new email in my inbox saying, yes, I'm really interested in what you're saying. Let's have a chat. We've been having so many conversations with so many uh, people in the industry and partners and, and people that is trying to do amazing things. We had an an incredible chat with a lady in South Africa that is an urban planner and she's trying to develop tiny communities surrounding uh, energy hubs 
where every person in the community collaborates to create and organize how is delivered the energy. So that kind of stuff ah, keeps me going every day. Uh, for me, it's it's similar. I mean, on the as a team, we've all got we come from different backgrounds and and different cultures, but we all have and we've all got our own individual purposes. But the company really feeds into, and I think as we grow and scale, will allow each of us to realize those personal purposes within Virtus Energy for the for the bigger purpose there. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess on a day to day, it's that nitty gritty of of getting down and feeding feeding the reactors, harvesting the reactors, um, and, and moving, <laughs> moving around the lab, essentially, um, which is always fun. But it's it's working with the team. It's working with Danilo and, and Freddie, the the two amazing technical guys that we've got, and then working in with our clients and our customers and seeing how and what we can develop and ensure that what we are developing is what they need need it to be. Um, and then the inherent problems and, and things that we have to overcome as a startup. But um, yeah, I think it's the individual purpose keeps me going mm. every day. I have to I have to add that timings is irrelevant for us. We we live at the bottom of the world and we work <laughs> with people everywhere in this planet. So we are having meetings eight, nine, ten p.m. and 5, 6 a.m. in the morning. So for us, there is no uh, an actual real timing, yeah. never. Yeah, well, like us, like us today, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's it's, yeah. it's it's early morning for me. For you, it's it's evening. <laughs> yep. So yeah, that, that that's uh, I guess a kind of a unique um, something maybe a bit unique about launching from New Zealand. And working with international partners, right? I mean, by unique, I just mean different from Europe, which is where I'm based. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so where do you see Virtus Energy in 10 years' time? That's a really good question. What, what difference do you, do you hope to have, have made? I think the, the biggest difference is to have realized that change and that decentralized energy situation and network um, and also have have brought the biogas industry and the renewable gas industry to where it can be and where it needs to be um, to provide what the world needs essentially and I, I think and to have sequestered quite a lot of emissions from the atmosphere and, and stop that from happening and, and, and be a lot closer to averting the climate disaster that we're, we're screeching towards um, would be would be mine. It's difficult to put it into actual metrics um, and actual data points, but I think that's where where I would see it going, and that's where I'd like Versus Energy to be in ten years. Yeah, I, I second that completely. Second that yeah. is exactly what we're looking for. And uh, as as a final question before we wrap up, do you have a quote or a motto? I love quotes, so <laughs> get everyone yeah. to give me their favorite quote <laughs> that, that that helps you, keeps you going, keeps you on track. Uh, I, I don't have a quote or a motto, but uh, I've been reading um, Atomic Habits oh. uh, the last the last few months, and uh, that. Every day do 1% more is something that is uh, in my mind uh, 
very, very strong right now. And that is what I'm trying to do in, in the lab, in the office, in, in every relationship that I'm building with other people. It's every day 1% more. Love it. Mine, um, my family motto is, is Sola Virtus Invicta, which is um, courage is invincible. So that's which I only shared with the team probably six or so months ago. But before that, the team were already delivering on that, on trying to be in a brand new country, delivering a brand new technology and gaining funding for the first time. And, and everything that we went through last year, um, I feel personally kind of epitomizes what we're doing at Versus Energy. Um, and that's what keeps us moving forward and, and making those big courageous decisions and those big decisions to make those steps forward um even if it's a brick wall in front of us at that time <laughs> yeah yeah i love it no for sure i mean i think um d d doing anything in, in infrastructure related to infrastructure change it, it takes a lot of a lot of courage and a, a big vision to persevere and to keep going with it because i know that there are so many challenges and roadblocks uh, climate tech entrepreneurs encounter on the way. All right, um, I'm going to wrap up here. Thank you so much for taking the time and joining me all the way from New Zealand. No, thank you very much for, for organizing it and putting it on. Yeah, thank you, Marianne. All right, and have a good, uh, well, I'm going to say have a good evening because I know that it's <laughs> you're, oh, you're yeah. 10 hours or something different. <laughs>